You're listening to the serial podcast production of Hidden Things, written and read by Doyce Testerman. This is episode 12, brought to you by Kickstarter backers Barbara and Kay Schaefer. Chapter 8 The door opened to Vicus's first knock. Calliope's face was wan, her eyes shadowed and bruised from lack of sleep. She said nothing, her hand still on the doorknob while those hard eyes took in his hooded form. She held her phone to her ear with her other hand. Daryl, this is Calliope. Sorry I missed you. Figure you're at lunch. Anyway, that thing we talked about is happening. I just wanted to let you know because... She walked away from the door, leaving it open behind her. Vicus stepped inside. Well, because I said I would, I guess. I'll let you know if I figure anything out. She glanced at Vicus. Don't tell... anyone, okay? Thanks. Bye. She shut the phone and set it down, then slowly turned toward Vicus. At her blank expression, he said, You told me to come back here at noon. It's noon. I'm here. She turned and headed toward the back of the house. What's the plan, boss? She stopped but didn't turn. I'm going to pack. Then we'll start driving. Vicus raised an eyebrow. No questions about flying out there? Well, you're not getting through a security checkpoint, are you? Calliope looked back at him sidelong. They make you take your shoes off. That would be interesting. She turned away but paused at the doorway. Besides, he told me it had to be on the ground, that we had to stay close to the earth. Vicus watched her back. Gluin? The message Gluin gave me. She waited, but Vicus didn't reply. Josh. Vicus kept his voice quiet. Did he say anything else? He told me who killed him. Silence filled up the space between them like cold water. He said goodbye. Calliope turned and walked out of the room. The hardest part is getting started. Ficus stood outside the house in front of the jeep. His hood was raised again, then his voice seemed to come from the dappled shadows beneath the autumn-colored tree that reached over the drive. No. Calliope turned toward him from where she had been looking out over the street. The hardest part is hearing your friend's voice when you know that he's dead and that's all you have left. She locked the door, coming down the steps toward Vicus. Where's my stuff? Packed it. She gazed into the too dark of his hood for a moment, glanced over his shoulder and back again. I don't see anything in there. It's all the way in the back, behind the second row seats. No way it could fit in there. He lifted the hood slightly, enough for her to see his caricature features. You remember the clown cars in the circus? We're really good at packing things. She blew air through her teeth and walked around to the back of the jeep, peering in through the window. Her eyes widened, just a bit, then narrowed. For a few seconds there was no sound but the distant traffic and a breeze running through the leaves over their heads. This trip is going to take a couple of days. She was still looking in through the back window of the jeep. The hood bobbed. Probably more, but yeah. You're going to have plenty of time to explain this crap. Without waiting for a response, 
She walked around the vehicle and climbed into the driver's side. Ficus seemed about to say something more, but he went to the passenger side and got in instead. I never liked this place, Calliope said. The house? Ficus followed her gaze, tipping his head speculatively. Doesn't seem too bad. We used to have this apartment, she murmured. It was really... She looked at Vicus, straightened in her seat, and started the engine. The jeep pulled into the street and left the house behind. Two blocks down, a young man Calliope would have recognized watched them from the confines of a reasonably new but nondescript vehicle. As they pulled away, he pulled out the cell phone and pressed a button. Sir, this is Hyde. She just left the residence. The guide was with her, sir. Yes. The one you expected. He paused, listening. Yes, sir. I'll call the others. Again, he waited. The smile below his mirrored sunglasses was broad and showed too many teeth. Thank you, sir. Vikas kept his hood up as they drove through the suburban streets. The angle of the opening indicated he was watching the streets scroll by through the side window. His body, overlarge for the space it was crowded into, was tense. Calliope found herself glancing at him as she drove, waiting for him to say or do something. What's going on? she finally said. The hood moved slightly. Unfriendly regard, he said in a strangely ritualistic cadence and tone. He shook himself his shoulders shifting beneath the layers of clothing in ways that Calliope couldn't quite explain or follow. Someone watched us leave, he explained in his normal sandblasted voice. How do you... She stopped herself. Bad guys or good guys? There aren't any good guys, Vicus said. His hood made an abortive move in her direction. Besides us. Not involved in this business, anyway. Real informative, Calliope muttered. No offense, but you don't exactly react well when I play it straight with you. His voice was dry. Calliope stiffened defensively. I don't think anyone would blame me for not immediately running to my guide for answers when he looks like a reject from Barnum and Bailey's. You don't exactly make it easy. You're acting like this is a... He waved his hand, exasperated. A dress-up party you crashed. He paused. I'd say you weren't taking it seriously except for the time you kicked me in the chest, or the time you tear-gassed me, or the other time when you left me in a parking lot to go deal with gluing by yourself. Calliope's jaw was tight. I can't help but think that all has one particular asshole in common. The one who never explains anything just does something weird and waits to see if I freak out like it's a test. Everything is a test, Vicus muttered. If you haven't figured that out by now, I'm really not going to be able to help you. You'll leave me in another parking lot, or smack me with your little swagger stick. He turned in his seat as best he could, leaning back against the passenger door. Or maybe you could get out about halfway and turn around and run home, he growled. Again. Calliope yanked on the wheel of the jeep and brought it to a screeching halt next to an open park in which the grass had gone autumn brown. Without a word, she ripped her keys out of the ignition. It didn't take long, Vicus said, his voice flat and harsh. He opened the door and swung his legs out of the vehicle. This is a joke. That's a little ironic from someone who looks like a friggin' clown. 
Calliope's voice rose as she spoke. She shouted the last words through a door Vicus had already closed. She sat in the silence of the cab for a few seconds, then got out, stalking around to the passenger side of the vehicle. Vicus was already ten feet away by the time she got to the sidewalk. I'm trying, she shouted at his back. Vicus stopped. His hood shifted as he looked up at the overcast sky. Then he turned back, hands jammed deep in his pockets, walking stiff-legged back toward the jeep. You're playing at trying, he was nearly shouting, paying no attention to the sparse traffic on the side street that first looked and then quickly looked away. His hood was still raised, but pushed back enough that she could make out his features. The snarl in his voice spread to his face, where the corners of his mouth had drawn up to reveal several uneven, yellowing teeth. Something along the line of his shoulders moved wrong. Calliope felt a queasy surge in her stomach. I don't know what you mean. She shook her head, as though to clear it. I don't know how you know about me, and I don't know what I've been thinking. I'm about to drive out of town on a week-long road trip with a complete stranger... A homeless man who's been stalking me for who knows how long. She glared at the sidewalk, working her jaw. I'm going home. You'll never be home, Vicus said. Not till this is over. You know there's something out there now, and you know it killed White. You won't be able to shut down the last three days and fool yourself. You don't know anything about me, Calliope said, barely audible. I... He clenched his jaw. I know you're too good a liar to believe your own stories. And you notice too much to pretend you're not seeing what you're seeing. With one gloved hand, he reached up and yanked his hood back under the cloudy afternoon sunlight. You want me to play it straight? Look at me! Calliope looked, unable to keep her eyes from dragging over his features or dismissing anything as a trick of the light in a strobe-lit bar or the shadows of a pre-dawn street, or the dim haze of her shaded house. Eyes the color and sheen of hard plastic buttons bored into her, completely bereft of whites despite the fact that they were open wide and staring right at her. The green spikes of hair on his head were too regular, too solid. His white face paint didn't flake or peel, didn't look like paint or stain at all, and the same was true of the crimson smear that surrounded his mouth. A mouth that was too wide, that opened too far when he spoke, dropped too far open when he drank, and had too, too many teeth. To her left, Calliope heard a gasp. She turned, confronted with the terrified face of a young boy clinging to his mother's side. The pair had been walking down the street, but the boy was now hauling frantically backward on his mother's arm. His eyes locked on Vicus. Darren, stop it. Quit acting so... She managed to smile toward Vicus. I'm sorry, he doesn't mean to... He's always been afraid of clowns. Vicus smiled, and Calliope couldn't help but see, now, that it went too far around his face. But the woman was struggling with her son, and didn't notice. It's all right, ma'am. They scare me, too. He turned to a bench facing the park and scooped up a discarded newspaper. Using it as a shield for his other hand, he made a gesture, and a rose pivoted out of thin air and into his outstretched hand as he pulled the paper away. The woman jumped, startled as she turned to find the flower in her face. Oh, my... thank you. She hesitated a moment in reaching for the flower, then accepted it. Thank you, 
she repeated, then turned to her son. See? He's just a nice magician clown. The boy shook his head, his eyes still locked on Vicus, and shook free of his mother's grasp, running into the park. At least I can see the whites of the kid's eyes, Calliope thought. Clearly mortified, the woman called after her son. I'm sorry, she mouthed to Vicus and hurried off into the park. Vicus watched her go. Maybe we should get back in the car now. He pulled his hood up. We're not done yet, Calliope said. Her eyes followed the woman as she approached her son, who had barricaded himself inside a jungle gym. But, yeah, let's go. I'll drive, you talk. She turned and walked around the back of the vehicle. A nearly invisible smile played around Vicus's mouth. Works for me, he murmured, his voice almost too low to carry. He rolled the newspaper into a tube, tapped it again with his hand, and climbed back into the jeep. Before we get into this, Vicus said, rubbing at his eyes, understand that there's only so much I'm going to talk about right now. There's too much to explain all at once, even just about the parts that have to do with you. Even if there weren't, there's parts that won't make any sense to you now, and I'm not wasting my time on them. He took a deep breath. Plus, there are rules about this sort of thing, okay? Sure, I guess. She glanced over at him. Start out easy. What are you exactly? He exhaled into something like a laugh. I can't really say. Calliope's eyes narrowed. Oh, son of a... Now wait. Ficus raised a gloved hand. Explaining why I said that will tell you some things, so let's not go back to kicking me out of the car just yet. Calliope's face remained tense, but he continued. The only real rule we've learned is to keep our heads down. All of us. All of you what? He glanced in the side passenger mirror as they pulled onto the highway. Well, rule out aliens and all that garbage. What I'm talking about are the sorts of things you heard about when you were a kid or when you read old stories. You know dragons and boogeymen, right? Calliope nodded, her expression still set and cautious. Vicus nodded in turn. Okay, which one of those can you describe? Calliope's brow creased. Dragons, I guess. Boogeymen are just... scary. They don't look like anything. Which is why they're still scaring the crap out of little kids, but you don't have dragons burning your towns down. He gestured out the window with the rolled-up newspaper. You look out there and you see cars and trucks and highways. There's nothing magical in this world anymore. That's the nature of the people who control it. He looked at Calliope, then back to the window. The things that don't match, the things that stand out. He made a gesture with his hand. They go away. They die out. Didn't say that. Ficus turned his attention to his own gloved hand. This has been going on a long time. As a general rule, most of the things we're talking about aren't very stupid. Even trolls and goblins can learn to hide, but it's Harder for them, because most of the people would see a goblin and say, Oh dear, that's a goblin. Being easily recognized doesn't help when you're trying to keep your head down. So, go away means hide. Usually. He gestured, his eyes still following his hand. For some of them, a long time ago, going away meant literally going someplace that's... else. They had a trick of how to do it. The rest didn't, 
and now they're gone. They don't come back, ever, so none of the rest of us really know anything about it. He dropped his hand in his lap. Mostly, though, yeah, they hide. He looked up. Some of them have names, and some of them never did. Any things that could pass among people without getting noticed pretty much did exactly that. Calliope raised an eyebrow. So every hobo clown touring around the country is, uh, whatever you are, hiding in plain sight? That's... Whoa, whoa, no. Ficus frowned. I don't think any of us, well, most of us, have ever been that numerous. In my case, what you're thinking of is a culture that built up, was built up a long time ago, on purpose, as camouflage. We passed ourselves off as entertainers and spawned imitators that we could then be mistaken for. I don't know what to tell you I am because we're always something else. Fitting into the gaps has been our nature for so long we don't even exist as ourselves anymore. Even those who know about us call us by different names. His gaze returned to the highway. It's a good trick, but compared to some folks, I'm an amateur. There are things that can live in cracks and shadows, feeding on the prickles of your neck that you get when you walk back to your car at night. You have to know how crazy monsters hide among us in plain sight sounds, Calliope replied. You're oversimplifying things. Ficus looked at the newspaper in his hand. It's not just... He unrolled the paper, flipped it through to the center, then folded it back on itself twice. Here, this. Calliope glanced at the paper, then back to the road, frowned, and looked again. The spot Vicus indicated with one pointing finger was a perfect square of random letters on the puzzles page. Yeah, I don't get it. Vicus nodded as though he'd expected her answer, then passed his hand over the page. Halfway through the movement, he stopped and looked at her. She glanced back at him. What? I'm gonna do something. His voice was quiet. One of the weird things I do. Calliope pursed her lips. Should I pull over or something? Just don't freak out and drive off into the ditch. Vicus pointed at the page. This is how the world works. He shook the paper just enough to make the pages rattle. To Calliope, it seemed the letters in the puzzle shifted more than the paper had, as though they'd been jostled loose. Basically a big jumble of stuff. So much stuff that you have to really concentrate just to find the things you're expecting to find. He gestured, and the letters seemed to draw back from certain combinations within their midst. Watching out of the corner of her eye, Calliope saw words like work, family, vacation, and car payments tumble together, then fall back into the mix. Okay, she swallowed, working the muscles of her jaw. Vicus didn't notice. His black eyes were focused entirely on the page he held. The thing is, when all you're looking for are the words in the list, the stuff you're expecting, you miss other things sitting right in front of you. His hand waved, and the words on the page crawled again, cringing away from troll, witch, and monster. Okay, Calliope tilted her head. Put it that way, it makes a kind of sense. Still seems like people would notice. It happens, sometimes. But there are lots of things out there that are even better at hiding than this. They write their names upside down and backwards to make them even harder to see. He looked down at the page again. Then there's me. Yeah? Calliope asked. What do you do? 
Vicus held up the paper where she could see. Clown, 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 Vicus, clown, 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 clown. She snorted a laugh. Nice. He gestured out the window. Mostly, people don't want to know this stuff. Given any kind of explanation that doesn't involve flying cauldrons and trolls hiding under bridges, they'll swallow it, even if it tastes funny. He grimaced, his face twisting in ways that were difficult to watch. The real pain is the power of belief makes it... He shook his head. Nah, that's for later. The interior of the jeep was silent for a time. Outside, the city slowly pulled back from the sides of the highway and slid to the rear window of the vehicle taking the afternoon with it. That's... Calliope began, but shook her head. That doesn't really tell me anything about what happened to Josh, or why we're driving into the middle of nowhere, or why you're involved in this. Vicus tilted his head back, resting it on the seat back. I'm involved in this because I said I would be. And for now, you're just going to have to take that for whatever you want, because I don't have anything else. He looked at her for a reaction, but she gave him none and he turned back to face the front window. The rest is... more complicated. Calliope gave Vicus a glance. Try. His expression grew resigned. Okay. There are places that are easy for us to hide. Forests aren't what they used to be, but you can still get lost in one if you try hard enough. He paused. Understand that I'm mostly talking about the lands I know about. You go into another land, there are different rules. These are the rules here, right? Calliope nodded, and Vicus continued. So you've got forests and caves and sewers and dark alleys and mountain ravines and things like that, where it's... where hiding is easy. Easier, anyway. His lips curled up a bit above a jagged eye tooth. The home of the stupid and the lazy. Says the thing that survives by pretending to be a homeless clown... Vicus scowled. I don't know a lot of trolls that could stand in the middle of the sidewalk next to a city park and have a conversation with a kid's mom while she apologizes for her kid thinking he's scary. Calliope pursed her lips. Okay, good point. She took a flower from me on top of, I got it, you're amazing, I give, please move on. Vicus started to say something further but gave up. Anyway, those are the easy places. The things you find in places like that are mostly harmless. Mostly. He made a face. Crossing the street is dangerous if you don't know how to look for traffic or if you don't pay attention. He glanced at her and continued. What's more dangerous are the things that can hide in places where the hiding is hard. They're smarter and a lot more ruthless. He gestured broadly out the front window of the Jeep. We're headed into the worst part of it. We're heading to Iowa. Calliope's voice was flat. Nothing magical happens in Iowa. Vicus seemed to ignore her, but paced his voice carefully. People's disregard made it possible to slip whole sections of the land out of view, like cutting swatches for a patchwork quilt. The hidden lands. He paused. Gluin mentioned them. What they left behind is what you will remember. Empty, boring chucks of landscape between two mountain ranges. The Midwest? Calliope's voice went from flat to scornful. The last magical thing that happened there was about ten years ago, the summer of my 16th birthday, when I left. And it wasn't good magical. You're saying I managed to miss some secret kingdom? You didn't miss anything. 
Vicus paused. Well, okay, a few things, yeah, but not the parts I'm talking about. The hidden lands aren't there to be seen in the first place. His voice sounded as though he were repeating something memorized. Somewhere between the back of your mind and the corner of your eye, just beyond the edge of hearing, that's where the hidden things have gathered for years, finding their way there when the world got too hard for them, or too small, or too lonely. He looked at her. That's the business that White got pulled into. What? Why? His black eyes gave no hint of his thoughts. It would have been his choice. That's pretty much all I know. He hesitated, then softly. What did he tell you? Calliope didn't answer immediately, though she'd heard him clearly enough. He said he was trying to save someone. Her voice was shaky. And that they killed him. But he didn't say why. Vicus shook his head. I don't. He glanced out the side window again and frowned. How long did you plan to drive tonight? Calliope shrugged. I can go for a while. We got started late and I wanted to get some distance before we stopped. She glanced at him. Why? Vicus settled back and adjusted his seat to give himself more room. Someone's following us. Calliope swore and checked her rear view. Which one? Vicus wriggled his shoulders, trying to get comfortable. I don't know by the lights. I can feel it. He glanced across at Calliope. Unfriendly regard, remember? He settled his head back. We'll have to do something about them when we stop. He pulled his hood up and slightly over his eyes. Don't worry about it now. They aren't going to try anything out here. What do we do when we stop? We'll see. He shifted in the seat. Wake me up when you get close to where you want to stop. I need to rest up. After that, there was only silence. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hidden Things Audiobook Podcast. This DRM-free production was made possible by the Hidden Things Audiobook Kickstarter backers and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 license. As always, watch out for the hidden things.